A True Hero's Journey with James Ray. Rising from the ashes, a fall from grace, and starting all over again. Check James out now. Cue the intro. Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now, here's the real deal. So are you ready to ready. some love? Well, all right. So before we begin, of course, this incredible guest uh, to share, I do have a sponsor that I must acknowledge, and that sponsor is me. So uh, are you feeling stressed out, perhaps overwhelmed by anxiety or maybe trepidation? Maybe you're experiencing day terrors or worse, night terrors, and go over to guidedhypnotic.com and download your free guided hypnotic meditation, guidedhypnotic.com. So, you know, it's a free sponsorship, which is nice. So here we go. I'm going to do this intro to do you justice. I, I do want to say I've been a, uh, a follower, a, a learned um, student of yours for um, upwards of uh, about good 15 years or so, maybe longer. Um, and uh, I just want to. means I've been around for a long, long time, man. <laughs> In this business right now, to, to say that is amazing. Um, so <laughs> thank you for that. But let me, uh, let me do your intro here that you sent me. James Arthur Ray is the author of six internationally best-selling books, including his New York Times bestseller, Harmonic Wealth, The Secret to Attracting the Life that You Want, and co-author and contributor to The Secret. Ray has worked with over 1 million people from over 145 countries through his audio, video, coaching, and life and business leadership programs. Only 1 million people have attended his, oh, over 1 million people have attended his live events worldwide. His new book, The Business of Redemption, The Price of Leadership in Life and Business, was released in February of 2020, just out. James Arthur Ray's company hit Inc. 500 in 2009 as one of the fastest growing, most successful privately held companies in the United States and possibly the world. In 2007, he was awarded the Distinguished Toastmasters Award for Outstanding Communication and Leadership. His book, Harmonic Wealth, was voted as one of the top celebrity reads by People Magazine in 2008. Fortune Magazine wrote a full feature article on him in 2008, heralding him as the new frontrunner in leadership and performance. James has appeared numerous times on Larry King Live, Pierce Morgan, The Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, and Oprah. After rising to the pinnacle of his profession, he and his company were involved in a tragic accident in 2009, and he lost everything. Since that time, he has applied the same strategies he taught his clients for decades to rebuild his own life and business and to come back strong. James's life story is told in the CNN documentary Enlighten Us, released on CNN in 2016 and now on Netflix. Because of his experience in building from humble beginnings and scratch, as well as rebuilding after hitting rock bottom post-terrible crises, James has a unique experience and ability to help those at the top, those on the climb, and those who must pull their, put their life together and get back up and climb again. In his mission to positively impact a minimum of one billion lives in businesses worldwide, Ray continues relentlessly to bring his experience, resilience, adaptability, and wisdom to all those he's blessed to serve and support living in Henderson, Nevada. Oh, my goodness, James. Thank you so much for, for giving your most valuable asset, and that's your time. And, and uh, I don't take that lightly. So I, I'm truly grateful for, uh, for you coming on and, and sharing because in times like these right now, we need more uh, experience, more energy, more opportunities to learn and grow from. So thank you. Well, well, thank you, Doug. And thanks for having me. I, I just got to ask, did you, did you take like an intravenous caffeine shot before you did my introduction? And, and number one, and number two, did you, did you take a breath in the middle of all that? That was amazing, man. <laughs> Cold read. Uh, Cause I, this is forgive the loves. I, I think I did breathe once in a while. And uh, no, actually uh, it's, believe it or not, doing those intros is part of my joy. 
um, because it's just, it's fun. I get to really position the, the conversation because you deserve it. Like you've, you are, you know, you've accomplished so much, you've overcome so much and, and people, I think, you know, they forget, you know, cause they see people in certain areas and they go, Oh, it looks easy for you. You made it happen and not realizing what it took. And I, I really also want to acknowledge your, your openness about what you've been through. Um, uh, the movie, uh, my wife and I, Heidi watched enlightened us when it came out and we were like, we were moved by it. We're like, man, like it, it's, so like challenging and, and so it's amazing things that you've done and, and how you went through it is just incredible. Well, well, thank you. That means a lot to me. And, and it's not been easy. And, and let me just say, referencing your comment, it's not supposed to be easy. Right. You know, we, we kind of live in a society and I'm, I apologize. I'm not looking at you. I want to make sure and turn my phone off so it doesn't accidentally ring, um, which I should have done earlier, but nonetheless, we live in a society that, that often, tends to look for fast fame, simple success, give me the magic bullet, the, the miraculous swipe file or download, you know, come to my three-day experience and you'll become an instant multimillionaire kind of approach. And that's, it's unfortunate because those things don't exist. I, I will promise you, might not be popular, that easy and great cannot coexist in the same space. If, it, if it's great, it's not going to be easy. And if it's easy, it's not going to be great. So we, we certainly are not living in easy times, Doug. Absolutely not. Um, and as we get into it, I just want one thing I want to acknowledge and, and share, which has been, you've been a, a bit of a role model for me, whether you know it or not, is uh, your storytelling you're one of by far one of the best storytellers I've ever seen uh, speak. Like when you know how to engage, to enroll, to use your voice, use the the messaging on. It's just incredible. And I, I know that you're with everything that's happened. You have more stories to tell, of course. Um, I've got I've got stories for years, um, <laughs> and that's and 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 you know you mentioned my new book, The Business of Redemption, and that it's it's unlike anything I've ever written because it's it's got a storyline. I've I've come out of leadership and per in personal performance, personal development, and those kind of books don't have to have a storyline. You know, you can have a chapter on this and then a chapter on this and a chapter on this, and. Yet this book is more of a like an autobiography slash leadership lessons learned type of book. And so it was very, very different than anything ever. It took me six years. It was a six year, year labor of love to write it. It's been edited you know, more times than I can count. And it's it, to your point, it's full of stories. It's all about my experiences and what I went through in the total tsunami that that blew my life up temporarily. Well, and also, and I think maybe people don't realize this and, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but if I recall correctly, your story of overcoming started pretty early. Weren't you in like a horrific motorcycle accident and you had to like, I mean, this is not new to you in, in that, but it's part of what has maybe prepared you for this and why it's so important that we have this conversation, but this is kind of a pattern that you've been able to overcome. Yeah, unfortunately, um, someone someone on on social media, a couple of someone's have called me the comeback king, which which is complimentary, and I appreciate that. And yet, that means to be the comeback king, you have to have a lot of crash and burns, or you couldn't be the comeback king. And and you're right, I I and I don't want to wax too esoteric here today. And yet, if you know anything about numerology, then Boy, how do I simplify this? Anyway, my my numbers are basically a sixteen seven, and the and sixteen in numerology and esoteric traditions is is the fall of the tower. It's it's things come crashing down, and the false structures and systems and mindsets and programming that we built gets you know, God or prime creator comes along, infinite intelligence, whatever you, you want to call it, and goes, boom, let me, let me knock that one down and see how much you know. You know, because I'll tell you, Doug, and I, 
I'm very transparent. I look in retrospect, and you watched the documentary Enlightenment. I, I, that was hard for me to make. It was heart wrenching, mm -hmm. and. When I look at it in retrospect to some of the early days when I was really supposedly on the top of the ladder, I'm like, wow, man, I, I just, I should have had more compassion. I, I should have had come more from the heart. My heart was always good. My, my methodology could have improved in many, many, many cases. And so, you know, when, I, when you have over a million people coming to you from 146 countries around the world asking you how to improve their life and business. It's really easy if you're not standing at the guard to start to get carried away and think, I kind of got it figured out. Mm. I mean, this is an industry and you're well aware you've been around for a while that, that is full of a lot of hubris and, and I'll own that for me as I look in retrospect and that's where you really get into challenges and problems when you start to think that what's happening for you is coming from you versus through you, if that makes any sense. It's a big difference, nuance here. Yeah, no, it's interesting. My, my wife and I uh, sometimes, because some, sometimes I wouldn't prepare. I would just go into a thing and, and we were for a while working in a treatment center. And so it was every day. It was like a seminar. That was how we ran it. We were, you know, it was club rehab every morning. And I told you know, he was just the personal development seminar in a treatment center. And, and sometimes I would come in and not, and somewhat not take credit. Cause like, I, I was just in the zone. I, I, this was, this was not me. This was just, you know, and he's like, well, you know, it makes you sound a little like, Ooh, you know, who you think you are kind of thing. I'm like, well, no, I think I'm nobody. Like I, I was just a vehicle. And for her, she gets more downloads where I'm like, like it comes in and she'll document it. And, and she has these amazing thoughts Whereas I do it, my, my magic happened similar, I think, probably in, in some cases that you did, like when you were with people uh, doing it real time, um, which is, I, I think, probably where the stories come with such like transcension, where you just get so en enrolled in, in your connection in that moment. So, yeah, I think in, I get completely what you're saying. Yeah, Professor Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, I don't know if you're familiar, but he wrote a book called Flow, and it's it's the psychology of, well, the, the subtitle slips me, it's the psychology of a fulfilling life or a happy life or something of that nature, but nonetheless, he's done massive research on what's called the flow state, and that's what you're describing, mm -hmm. is that and when you look at extreme athlete, athletics, those athletes get into the flow state. And when I'm on stage, I get into the flow state and, and you do as well. And that's where you just open up and, and you feel this rush of energy and information coming through you and you realize it's coming through you, not from you. So, you know, you're kicking butt, but you also know you're not the one doing the kicking. Right. It's, 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 it's coming through you and where the problem resides. I mean, when, when you, keep that in perspective, then you stay in tremendous humility and gratitude. Right. Because you realize it can be gone like that. It's a gift. And that's not to say that we don't do the preparation. Of course we do. That's not to say that we don't do the work to become this better conduit. Of course we do. And yet what's coming through is, is not from you it's bigger than that and that's that's a really sexy and exciting place to be and you have to stay humble and and i i say in retrospect in hindsight i can now say straight up as i look back at some of the things i used to do that i started kind of thinking man i've done 20 years of work because i i it's never come easy for me it's been it's been you know vision sandwich and faith cookies for most of my career and I've done 20 years of work to be here. And so now I'm here. Well, no, you're never here. You know, you're, you're where you are, but where you can be is so far beyond where you are. And you, you got to keep that in perspective. hundred percent. Um, so when you were growing up, like, cause I, I just love to learn more about, you know, you as a human and, and uh, like as a young man, did you always have this desire to serve, to make a difference? Did you always want to be a, a speaker or a trainer or an author? Like, was this something in your heart always, or is this something that sort of became a, a thing that you were able to do? 
Yeah, it's a great question because I don't believe that your purpose, and a lot of the work I do is about is about clarifying purpose and living on purpose because when you get that kind of clarity, you just don't quit. You know why you're here and you don't quit because because you know why you're here and you have something to contribute. And And most people want to think that purpose comes to us in a blinding flash of light. You know, we go to the top of Mount Sinai and it's like, boom, um, it just didn't happen that way. I, I've ne never known it to happen that way. It certainly, certainly didn't for me. Now, in answer to your question, I was always a weird kid. I was always very industrious. I, I got my first job when I was six years old and I was selling this is here's here's the irony and yet not grit newspaper it was called and and the word grit says something because i had a tremendous amount of grit when i was a young kid i wanted to get out and do something and so i was selling it on the street corner on weekends and i was mowing lawns and shoveling snow and and staying out so late in the winter time just thinking i'm going to get one more driveway in tulsa oklahoma and it would be pitch dark and my mom would finally send dad out to find me and he would follow. I was so beat tired. I was dragging the shovel behind me down, down the snowy street. So he would follow the shovel track and find me and go, son, come on. It's late. We got to get home. And, and that's kind of been my MO when I was in, in junior high school, I had a motorcycle. I got my license and I threw a morning paper route. No way excuse me, not just one, three morning paper rows. I got up at 4 a.m. and I always have had that drive and that, that desire to contribute and to do something. Now, did I think at that time that I wanted to be, you know, a guide or a coach or a teacher? No, no, I didn't. And that kind of unfolded over time. There were a lot of different things along the way that I – I thought I was going to do that I didn't do. And yet when I look in retrospect, again, I see the perfection in all those things too. So long answer to your question, but I've, I always had that. I felt like I had, I had, I was here to do something. And I, I believe Doug that everybody has that. And most people are, are have that feeling and some of them are kind of unconscious of it, but I believe everybody has a purpose to serve here. Absolutely. Uh, and were you always into some of the esoteric stuff and the spiritual teachings? Was that something that you uh, had a fascination with growing up? I, I was. My father was a Protestant minister. And I mentioned I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is the buckle of the Bible Belt. I was raised very, very fundamental, strict Christian, which basically meant everything that was fun was a sin. And, and I was a preacher's kid, right? And so... So it was interesting because I was that kid in, in Sunday school, and I spent a lot of time in church, who was asking the questions that weren't getting answered. Mm. You know, like, excuse me one second, but if all of us came from Adam and Eve, wouldn't that mean that anyone we marry would be our sister? Right. And they'd be like, oh, my God, you know, what are we going to do with this preacher's kid? You know, but we got to put up with him because he's the preacher's kid. And so at 18 – in the buckle of the Bible Belt in the household of a Protestant minister, I picked up the Buddhist Bible and started my search. And you can see the Buddha back here, and you can see Shiva, and I've got I've got the Zohar, which is yep. is holy and and the Jewish tradition. And I don't consider myself to be any of those things. I, I'm really kind of anti-label. And yet I picked up the Buddhist Bible first and thinking if I could figure it out at eighteen then I could make my life better because I was a real introvert and I was shy and I was bullied as a kid. And I just, I was kind of weird. I never fit in. I was the bookworm and skinny and scrawny. And so I started studying very early 18 and it kind of set me on a path. And from that time, I've, I've been heavily into, you know, a lot of things from all great spiritual traditions to, to mysticism, to esoteric thinking, to psychology and philosophy and biology. And, you know, one of my, my very first career, I was in sales at AT&T and I did really well. 
and then they made me a sales manager and then a sales trainer. And then I ended up at AT&T School of Business as a C-suite consultant where I was dealing with leadership, performance, communication, culture change initiatives with all these C-suite execs. So I have this business background with this real attraction to spirituality and it's an interesting mix because I, I don't think they have to be in opposition. In fact, I know they don't. And I think more and more in today's world, we're realizing the blending of that. And one of my favorite things I'll say, and then throw back to you, Doug, is, is quantum physics. I've studied quantum physics for two decades and I'm not a physicist. And yet, I believe that quantum physics is the mysticism of the 21st century because they're saying all the things that ancient traditions have told us since antiquity and, you know, the ancient sages and saints are gone. What the heck took you so long? Right. It, it, it's, it, it was having to put it into a new model of the world for people to, to process. Well, you put it under the label of science and now, okay, as a Westerner um, or a world citizen, I can accept science. You know, if you talk to me about mystical things, maybe not so much. Did you ever get into Gnosticism and, and some of that stuff as well? Very much so. The Nag Hammadi manuscripts, I, I actually, I've spent a lot of time in Egypt. I've had some really, really great teachers, Doug. I've had, I've had six major mentors and coaches in my life, and I believe we all need one. Mm -hmm. Even good coaches need a coach because you can't take a far enough distance from your own nonsense to see your own nonsense. You need an objective view, and you can't see what you're looking with. Did you follow that? Yeah. So, so I've had some great mentors and I've spent a lot of time in great places. I've been in the Amazon with the Ayahuasca. I've been, I've spent numerous trips to Egypt and I've gone to Nag Hammadi wow. and I've been exposed. You know, I got, I've had some really amazing experiences too, which I've talked about over the years. I talked about some of them in Harmonic Wealth, which you mentioned, but I got to meditate between the paws of the Sphinx for an hour by myself and that doesn't happen i got the full the full great pyramid to myself for three hours they let me in locked the door and gave me full access to all three chambers so i've, I've had some really really cool experiences i spent the night on the top of mount sinai in moses's cave where supposedly he got the ten commandments i spent two weeks in the sinai desert with the bedouins so, I, I, yeah, you want to talk stories? I got stories. <laughs> you know, and I came out of AT&T School of Business. So, okay, don't put me in this foo-foo category because I, I got a foot in both worlds. Well, and I believe that business is spiritual. I mean, it, it is. It's, that's where I think people get kind of lost and, and trapped in that. Um, and, and I want to honor your time. So I want to give enough time to kind of address a little bit of the current circumstances. You know, you were, you know, you, we can go back a little bit, your, what the documentary was about and, and that, you know, tragedy and, and how you came out of that. But then you're on a course, you're, you're coming back, you're helping people, you're rebuilding your business, you're got a new book and all that. And then bam, COVID hits. So now your momentum is challenged with now having to pivot and change strategies and so forth. Then now like we're another movement with the, the BLM and the riots and, and all of that. And I wonder, and, and this is because I, I wonder this, like, is this a necessary part of evolution and where do we like position ourselves to accept what is and, and go, okay, it is. And then where do you draw the line? If you start coming at me and, and like, I, I, it's just such a delicate balance. How have you been addressing all of this pain and, and also being, you know, wanting to serve and make a difference? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a deep rabbit hole. Yeah. I, and, and, and thank you for asking. You, you mentioned narcissism. I'm a big fan of the Gnostic teachings. Mm -hmm. You know, Gnosis means to know. Oh. And, and a lot of great scholars believe that the Christ was a Gnostic. You know, there's many years out of his life where he disappears in the Bible from the time he was, he was at his uh, bar mitzvah in the temple with the Pharisees and Sadducees and blowing their minds. And then he disappears until he's 32. So where the heck was he? You know, there's no, there's no documentation there. There's a lot of theory, but nonetheless, 
a lot of his teachings are very much in alignment with Gnosticism. They're very much in alignment with Buddhism, quite frankly, which Buddhism predated him by a long time. And, and so in, in kind of long setup to your question, do I believe that we're in turbulent times? Well, yeah, you'd have to be asleep to not think we're in turbulent times. Do I believe it's necessary in the evolutionary process? Absolutely. And what I will say to you, and I know this from experience, not from theory or reading some book, and, and there's a big difference there. You know, from experience, I know that every significant breakthrough is preceded by a breakdown. Right. It cannot be otherwise. Now, we don't like that. The breakdown is tough, and it's tough right now. And, yes, building momentum, coming back, building the business, rebuilding the business in a new way, because I'm not the same guy. You know, a lot of people are still wanting me to talk about the secret. And with all due respect, I, I'm grateful for the secret, and it's kind of, as, as they say, a blessing and a curse because I got niched into this magical romantic market that just basically thought, Hey, if I visualize something, it's going to drop into my lap and bring me my new bicycle. Well, knock yourself out with that one. And quite frankly, I was the only guy at the time of Oprah and Larry King who was going, wait a second, wait a second. You can't just visualize. You got to do something. Yeah, the, the, um, an action part is in that word, attraction. Yeah, attra it's 60% of the word attraction. And, and now everyone's jumped on the bandwagon from the secret because here we are how a decade later or so, and they're like, okay, well, I can't keep playing that card. Uh, but nonetheless, we are in turbulent times, and – now, not only am I coming back with somewhat of a scarlet letter on my forehead, because frankly, I got crucified in the press. I'm sure you know that. And Google is not my friend, and nor are they ever going to be, quite frankly, because that's controlled by powers that you can't even touch. And, and so... And I've attempted, you know, I put out so much content in the last seven, almost eight years. It, it'll be 11 years anniversary in October since I was involved in that horrible accident. And it broke my heart. And the, the media never covered that part. It broke my heart. I love those people. I was close to them. I, I knew their innermost desires and, and fears and uncertainties. And, and so not only am I working through the Scarlet Letter, but it just keeps coming like like someone pinged me, pinged my office and said, hey, you know, William Shatner has a new has a new show out and it's not very complimentary. He's calling you a cult leader and all this. I'm like, William, Captain Kirk. I mean, I when I was a kid, he was my hero, man. He, he always got the alien girl and, and, you know, he was just always so cool and what happened to Captain? He's not Captain Kirk anymore. And and so so anyway, I'm 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 being facetious to some degree, but it just every time that happens, the the trolls start to come out again, and it's all good, Doug, because what you learn. When so many people say you got to protect your reputation, well, your reputation is about as firm as mist in the noonday sun because I was the golden boy at, at been 2009. Everybody, Fortune Magazine wrote a full feature article on me. I, I judged the Miss America contest as a celebrity judge. I mean, I, I was the golden boy. And, and like that, I became you know, the, the, the dark child or the dark night or whatever you want to call it. And it happens just like that. And so I realized that your re reputation doesn't mean anything because it's just other people's opinions and you have to know who you are. And it's taken me a long time to get to that place. And this is important for what I call the COVID craziness, because here's, here's what we're dealing with, Doug, and, and I'll be straight up. I'm white, you're black. Okay, well, first of all, that's just a vehicle you're in. Mm -hmm. That's not who you are. 
who you are is, and, and physics even tells us this, as well as all spiritual traditions, your infinite intelligence, infinite potential, infinite capability, having a single point of experience right now as James Arthur Ray. But James Arthur Ray is not who you are. That's the experience you're having or Doug McCurk. That's not who you are. You're way more than that. And so that's what we don't know. And unfortunately, because we start to go to conditioning school at about age six, let's condition them to not be free thinkers. Let's condition them to not be unique. Let's condition them that certain things are important and valuable. And by the time we get them into, into college and, you know, God forbid, grad school, then they're done. They're basted. And, and so here's, here's the bottom line. If COVID craziness taught us anything, which I think it should have taught us a lot and continues to teach us a lot, is that regardless of whether you're a Hindu, Muslim, Christian, Jew, regardless of whether you're black, white, male, or female, regardless of whether you're, you're Mexican-American or European-American, all that stuff doesn't matter because in two weeks' time, Doug, every single one of us, with the exception of Sweden and Japan, God bless them, went into voluntary house arrest. There was no militia. There was no force. We went into voluntary house arrest. One thing was present. That was fear. Yep. Fear. And why? And so the whole world, what this tells us is the entire world, regardless of the packaging, is in the same space internally. And we're in fear because we've bought the programming that this world is solid and real. And this body is who I am. Oh, I might get a virus. Oh, my God. And then I can die. Well, let me tell you, you're not going to die. Energy can never be created or destroyed. That's the number one law of thermodynamics. It just changes form. Mm-hmm. And yet, because we don't understand these things, we all hightail it, and now we're walking around, and, and I might be stepping on some toes here, and just, this is my opinion, take it or leave it, but now we're walking around, covering our nose and looking like some bandito, because we're afraid that we're going to breathe on each other, and we might get a virus. And, and so, let's take the lessons. You're more than that. I mean, your immune system has developed over millions of years, and the way it gets stronger is the same way your muscles get stronger. you got to push it up against bigger weights. You go to the gym, and you sweat, and you toil. Well, that's how the immune system grows, too, and when you're constantly swabbing and swiping and washing and covering, well, guess what? Your immune system gets weak, and here's more important. Stress and fear suppress the immune system. They're, they're anus. And so we're dealing with, with, with humanity here. It's not the biggest virus that's spread across the planet is the virus of fear. It's the mental virus of fear. And unless and until we deal with that, we are not going to deal with anything, quite frankly. Right. Well, and, and part of that is our, the way our brain is wired. Neurobiologically speaking, our pain sen- sensors outnumber our pleasure sensors by 10 to 1. So our brain is naturally already conditioned to avoid any sort of pain. So creating the illusion of possible pain now makes fear inevitable almost always. So yeah. it's very easy to excite fear in people. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not here to say that fear, I believe everyone has every trait and everything is valuable. Anything that's not valuable becomes extinct. So there's a time and a place for fear. Like if a truck is, if is a semi-truck is barreling down on you and you're standing in the road, you better hope you have fear. People who talk about fearless living, oh, please, come on. There's no one who doesn't have fear. It's a part of the human experience. And yet, so much of our fear is made up fear, and we're living from our reptilian brain, which, which is all about fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's happening in the world right now. Our lowest centers, our reptilian centers, are driving behavior, even though we have so much more capability than that. Well, and which is, I guess, the, where I believe, you know, our calling is, you know, I feel like a kindred spirit with you of transcending that and doing everything possible to offer opportunities to 
step out of that and into courage, step out of that and into possibility thinking, into that paradigm shifting thinking that we need at this moment. Um, how did you, so how did you access that through some of your challenges? Do you notice any patterns in when you were down, when you, you know, had everything from the, the tragedy to the motorcycle accident to recently with all these changes, what do you access and what is your, your mindset, your thought process? Do you have uh, something that you rely on to help you make that paradigm shift in those moments? Yeah, well, there's a, the answer is a long answer to your question. It's been a long journey and there's no, there's no magic bullet. God, I wish there was, but there's just not, you know, there's no red pill uh, or, or blue pill, you know, there, there's a process. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so going back to the motorcycle accident, I was a competitive bodybuilder. I'd won the Mr. Oklahoma contest way back in the early eighties. And when I got smashed head on by a car on my Kawasaki Ninja, I got really broken up, really broken up. You know, I had herniated discs, my knee was blown out, my forearm was shattered, and they told me, you'll never, ever lift again. Well, at that point in time, lifting was the center of my life. It become my, had become my identity because I came from, you know, 150 pounds soaking wet in high school and college, and all of a sudden up to 230 pounds, and that became, and I started to feel more confident because of my physical body. But mm -hmm. then I realized it, it was gone just like that. The car, you know, <laughs> head on, and I, it was done. And they're saying, you can't do this anymore. So that caused me to step back. Here's, and I could give you many more examples, and yet here's the principle, is that we grow the most in the crucible of challenge. We don't grow the most when we're smelling the roses and tasting the fine wine. I wish it were different. Believe me, I do. But it's not. Pain is the mother of all growth. And pain is not a signal to suffer. Pain's a signal to grow. And, and so, so that's how we learn and grow is experiencing the incredible pain and hopefully not transmuting it into suffering, but most of us do make it into suffering. And here's the difference is that pain is just a hurt. Like no one's ever died from a snake bite. Snake bites, boom, it hurts. Ow, it hurts. What you die from is not getting the venom out of your body quickly enough. Well, the venom is suffering. The venom, suffering is the resistance of pain. It's the not healing of pain. And yet, on the flip side of that, Doug, there's tremendous salvation in suffering. Because if you look at the greatest souls who have ever walked the planet, no exception, and prove me wrong if you can, but I don't think, I don't think there's an exception, the greatest souls have always experienced the greatest suffering. Yep. Because suffering pulls away the layers of BS, and you hopefully get at some point to the center, which is your heart, and you start to go, okay. Let me think about who I really am. Let me think about what's truly important to me and why am I here? And, and those are powerful questions. And so in answer to your question, again, it's been a long, long process. And a big part of that, quite frankly, was, was prison. I mean, prison sucked straight up. And, and, and I'm not the kind of guy to say, oh, you always got to be positive and let's reframe it and put a positive spin. No, sometimes, you know, it just positively sucks. All right. And that's, and, and that's genuine and that's real. Now, when you embrace the fact that it positively sucks now and you're not resisting it anymore, you're not trying to spin it or reframe it. Hey, this really sucks right now. My business, let's talk COVID craziness. My business is, is circling the drain, you know, Many, many cities now are going back into quasi lockdown again. And here's, here's my prediction, Doug. I, I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I am. We haven't seen the worst of it yet because, because what's going to happen as we move in towards the elections, I won't even touch that one, but we could talk about that for days, is, is, that, is that there's going to be more and more play and what's, what time of year is that? Well, it's traditional flu season. Well, now, and, and I, could, 
I could riff on flu too. You know, isn't it ironic that traditional flu season is the same season that we overstuff on turkey and drink too much alcohol and and lay on the couch and be sedentary and then all of a sudden the body wants to purge of toxins and we go, Oh, I got the flu. No, your body's just trying to clean that crap out yeah. that you that you overdid. And yet here we go right? Oh, all of a sudden now the traditional flu season comes around, which has nothing to do with cold temperatures. It really doesn't. And, and yet what's going to happen? Well, traditional flu season is going to ramp up and all of a sudden it's going to be COVID. And my prediction, I hope I'm wrong, is that we're going to go into another lockdown that's going to be harsher and longer. And I hope I'm wrong, but let me just say, I don't think I am. And, and, and you better get your game face on. And I'm talking to all the viewers here. You better get your game on. Because if all I had in 2009-10, when I lost my $10 million business, my Inc. 500 company, I lost my life savings, I lost my reputation, I lost my home, I lost my so-called friends and colleagues who all loved me and wanted to do JVs with me. And just when I was on top, man, I had so many friends and they all disappeared. And when all that happened, if all I had was that, I would have been done. And yet, fortunately, I'd done the inner work since I was 18 years old, and I realized I was more than that, not perfected in that knowledge, but I, I had enough development in that area and enough self-awareness to realize, hey, I'm more than this. I'm not my house. I'm not my bank account. I'm not my life savings. I'm not, I'm not my friends. I'm, I'm more than that. And that's where we got to get right now because we're in for tur more turbulence. I, I believe, I hope I'm wrong. And I, and I'm, I don't want to be a pessimist here. I'm not a pessimist. I'm, I'm an activist. And so I think we have to, the Buddha said one of the greatest causes of suffering is we don't see life clearly exactly as it is. And so we need to see things clearly and then we can say, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Well, clearly the, the writing on the wall is, is not saying it's going to go any other direction. Um, but hopefully I, I do agree. Hopefully you're wrong. Um, when you were just, as you shared and, and thank you for your honesty and, and your, you know, authenticity about, you know, when you were in prison and, and so forth, while you were there, were you, were there moments where you were thinking of like, just not continuing on the path of service? Like, were you like going, oh man, maybe these are like, what else could I do? Or did you always have, were you like, was that so deep? You're like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to figure this out when I get out. You know, what's going to be step one? And, and frankly, you know, I spent the first 30 days in solitary confinement in, in what's called the hole right next to death row, I guess, because I was so dangerous or something. I, I don't know, but they don't, they don't really tell you anything in prison because you're not a human being, you're a number. Right. And so, I was, I was in solitary confinement. It was just me, four walls, no windows, nothing to write with, nothing to read, and God. And I, had, I was angry. I was angry at, at the government. I was angry at the industry I had been a part of. I was angry at my so-called colleagues, peers, and friends. I was angry at my clients who told me they loved me, and then many of them turned around and stabbed me in the back. I, I was angry at God. Mm. frankly. And so I had this conversation with God, you know, Neil Donald Walsh kind of tries to tart, you know, corner that market. But I'll tell you, I had a real conversation in solitary confinement where there was no one else to talk to besides my higher self or God or whatever, whatever we want to call it. And I was like, this is my reward for, for, spending my entire life trying to become the very best human being I could become to try to help other people do the same. This is my reward. And the voice came back to me and said, Oh, so you did it for a reward. Mm. And I was like, Holy crap, Oof. you know, boom. Right. Yeah. And, or, or, and then it continued. Oh, so you did it to be protected. And then I said, well, why me? And it came back, why not you? You know, the, it, it says in, the, in the, the Christian tradition, 
often the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You know, the big black truck pulls up in front of all of our houses eventually. No one is immunized. And so that was a real shift for me. And, and as I had this conversation, this awareness, why do I do what I do? You see, if I'm doing it for to, to be protected, to be rewarded, then it's not the right motivation mm. because because that's doing to get versus just giving to give. And, and so I started to recognize that when you come from the heart and you come from a genuine perspective, you get your reward the minute you do what you do because you feel the feelings of doing what you believe to be the right thing. Right. And, and so that still didn't convince me that I want to come back to the industry. In fact, when I came out, I had a, a media manager who stuck with me through the whole tsunami. And when I came out, I told him, I don't, I don't want to do what I used to do. Just, you know, see that guy being the MC on a game show? Just give me that job. That's, that's what I want to do. And he makes good money and he, he goes home at night and that's all. You know, he goes, he does his thing and he, and he goes, okay, well, you can do that. Well, over time, I began to realize that I couldn't do that. And I decided to come back. And I remember my mother saying to me at the time, and she, and it really hurt my mom. I mean, it drug my family mm -hmm. to see their son go through all this. Who would have ever thought? And my mom said to me, son, after all you've been through and after all the attacks and the things that have been said, why? would you put yourself out there as a target in the market again? And I just looked at her and she said, I get it. You don't have a choice, do you? Hmm. And I said, no, mom, I really don't. Now I certainly do. We always have a choice, but when one of the, my favorite lines in the matrix, which I'm a huge fan, I've watched, watched the matrix. My wife and I watch them. We do a matrix weekend and watch all three sometimes. And I've probably seen it 30 times at least. And one of my favorite lines is when the Oracle says, he goes, I can't do that. I can't make that choice. He goes, Oh yeah, you can, because the choice has already been made. Your job is to figure out why. Yeah. And, and so for me, I came back because that's what I'm here to do, and I'm really, really clear on that. And that's my wish for you, Doug, and for everyone that I'm blessed to serve, because that's a magical place. It's not easy. You know, please don't, don't make the mistake of thinking it's easy. It's going to be challenging and difficult, and yet it's a magical place because when you're so clear on why you're here and what you're here to contribute, then it makes everything so simple. Decision-making processes become really quick. You know, does that align with my purpose or not? Does that help facilitate that or not? It's, 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 it really takes a lot of the conundrum out of, out of the game. For sure. And then, so while you're on purpose and, and you made that decision and, and, you know, you've been just consistently, diligently putting out tons of information, writing a new book and all that, how did you, address like when it was time to pivot, you know, when, you know, okay. Like, were you out speaking, were you doing events or had you been already focusing primarily uh, virtually or digitally anyway? No, I, I was, I was doing events, uh, albeit small, you know, I used to do events that had no less than 500 up to 2000 people every in, in three cities a week, every single week of my life. And, and so you know, that's, that's when the momentum was going. And so I was doing events and live events and they were, they were smaller events. And yet my wife and I really made the decision that, Hey, I don't know that I want to do stadiums anymore because how much impact can you really have on a stadium of people? Yeah. You can get them hyped up and have them dance and, and, you know, get excited, but does it really make the deep, deep, change in traits, not just a peak state or a high state. And so we made this decision that we wanted to do more intimate kind of work one-on-one. -on -one. And I had totally gotten rid of coaching when I was at the Zenith because I was just too busy and it took too much time. And so I took coaching back and we had small events and we started doing things, you know, online programs, which we still have to this day. 
Now, of course, of course, COVID craziness caused us to reinvent once again. And, and that's, you know, the, the, the recent statistics tell us, Doug, that, that every single one of us here today, viewers and you and me included, are going to have to reinvent ourselves at least five times over the remainder of our career. And, and that sucks, quite frankly. You know, it's, it's very difficult sometimes to reinvent yourself in your 30s, much less in your 50s. It feels next to impossible sometimes. And yet that's what we have to do. Not liking it is not going to change it. Right. And, and that's what we have to get really good at is what's called AQ, adaptability intelligence. Yeah. Well, I love it. I mean, you're, you're clearly doing it. I, I even noticed, um, you know, you guys, uh, you and Bear are doing also like a, a cool intimate coaching like relationship coaching thing, which is, I don't think you can get any more intimate than, you know, spending like basically a vacation together. That's like, that what it made me think of like, Oh, like, these couples, we go on a, you know, a retreat together. So, I mean, you're, you're really putting it all out there and I, I want to acknowledge you for it because it's, I know it, it's not easy um, under the best of circumstances these days. And then now with like all these new challenges um, it, it's just incredible. Um, so I want to honor you. I also want to honor your time. Um, we, you had uh, something coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, JamesRay.com, I presume, is one of the best ways to get in touch with you. That is, that is the best way. And if you literally want to get in touch with me in the office, there's a contact us there. Uh, also on JamesRay.com is all the coaching opportunities, all the online learning systems and programs. There, there's so much. There's business consulting there, which I'm doing again now. And I kind of let that go after AT&T. But I've got a, a strong foundation of that. And so... Yeah, everything's on jamesrow.com. And then, of course, I'm all over social media, too. I Instagram is James Arthur Ray, and, and Facebook is James Arthur Ray, and Twitter is, is James A. Ray 11. And then, of course, I'm on LinkedIn as James Arthur Ray as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Well, dude, I, I thank you so much for, for your time. I, we're like kindred spirits. Your story is very similar to mine. I wasn't raised by a, a preacher, but like our journeys as far as other stuff, I'd love to talk to you more about it and, and just kind of see how we can continue to support each other, lift, you know, kind of align and lift the world because uh, we're, we're, we're needing to create that space for people to have that. I, I totally agree, and I, I would welcome that and look forward to that. And it's, it's really been an honor to be here with you, Doug. And time always flies when you're having good conversations. So keep doing great work. The world needs it. Amen. Thank you, brother. I love you for who you are and who you aren't. And uh, God bless you and Bear, and we will uh, be in touch very soon. Okay. Take care. God bless. God bless, brother. Lots of love. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here. And we look forward to serving you even more. Remember, download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.